Hey y'all, thank you for joining us on episode 5. We're so excited you're back. We're going to talk about a few things. Imposter syndrome, gratitude, what Gretchen Rubin thinks about us, and maybe the movie Wild Things. Google it. Alright Marie, Oh, you are what we're calling the designated hitter. Yep. The host of the podcast yes. episode. Yes. Um, what's up? What's on deck? What are we doing? Well, Anne, <laughs> you sent us this amazing article, Girl Boss, The Imposter Syndrome, which I hadn't heard of before. You're kidding me. No, not kidding. Well... I wonder if you just hadn't heard the term, but you sure. had experienced. Oh my gosh. Yeah. As soon as I read it, I was like, a relief. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been dealing with my entire That surprises yeah. me career. because you are someone who I think of as very confident and to the point of like, it's aspirational for me to be around you with your confidence. Yeah, you just have, like, such a strong sense of self mm-hmm. that I wouldn't ever imagine that you would ever question whether or not you belonged doing Dang. what you're doing. Yeah. You seem surprised Thanks. to hear that. I'm very surprised to hear that because the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, like, putting up that face Yeah. that everyone sees. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's totally what I'm doing or thought I was doing, right? Well, and I loved her, the subject line was, who am I to send this email? Who are we to have this podcast? Who are we to and have a podcast? And we're doing it. We're just fucking doing it. And I think if it's okay to just jump in. Yeah, please. I, that's kind of where I land because I think imposter syndrome is something that it gets talked about a fair amount. You know, I think Sheryl Sandberg talks about it in Lean In you're going to see it really addressed in, like, the sphere of women the most. And I had this amazing conversation with a friend of mine last week where I had this opportunity put in front of me. And I was saying to her, I don't think I can do it. I don't don't think that I'm right for it. I don't think they actually want me. And we were in the car. And she turned to me and she was like, no, they want you. All that other stuff that you don't know yet, that's knowledge that they have yeah. that you have to go access, but they want your expertise. They want your skill set. And I just had this moment. I, I remember I was driving and I turned and I looked at her and I was like, what? Like, it didn't even occur to me to think that other people might look at me and and want something from me. Because I do, like, fake it till you make it. I feel like that's all I'm ever doing. You know, yeah. I, I was teasing someone the other day of like, Oh, no, it's all excruciating. Like, everything you do is just completely excruciating. You just do it anyway. Um, so, I don't know. Courtney, I know we've talked about this quite a bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think fake it till you make it. It's like the, this ubiquitous term where it's okay to not know what you're doing. I think where I get imposter syndrome is when you reach a level of success or you start being good at your job, you're like, well, I wasn't faking it. I was working really hard and going home and working after hours and putting my personal life on hold. And so it's kind of one of those things too, where 
you get to a certain level and you're like, okay, can I sustain this? Mm-hmm. And is everyone else working as hard or mm-hmm. like, like what was everyone else doing in this meeting? Um, what's hard for me is the mental strength of, you know, faking that I know what everyone else knows as opposed to being okay to like asking questions or being like the vulnerability of, I don't know what I'm mm, doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also, the flip side of that is the people who aren't, having some sense of self-awareness around not knowing. Because I think we've all come into contact with people who didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And do you look at them and say, well, I hope you feel like an imposter. You are an imposter. What are you doing? Yeah. Get out of here. So I feel like this is the question that really prompted it for me before that email came through. What's the difference between feeling like you can't do something mm-hmm. and knowing <laughs> that you can't do something? Because yeah. I feel like... I love to be an ambitious person, and I love to be striving to be better, but striving to be better means there's room for improvement. Right. There are things that I do not know, and that is that is where I struggle more than imposter syndrome, because I feel like a lot of what people talk about when they talk about that is feelings of unworthiness, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, unworthiness might be subjective. Right. My level of expertise is less subjective. Right. I either know something or I don't. I think this is sort of your point, Courtney, mm-hmm. sure. is like asking a question, being willing to ask a question. I don't know, like how how do you experience imposter syndrome, Marie? Just Yeah, like I don't I I'm I'm doing I'm obviously doing things. Yeah. I'm doing things in yeah. my daily life. I I have kids, I have a husband, I have a job. I have, I'm on a board for a nonprofit. Like, I'm a stand up comedian. Sort of. How are you not? (laughs) How are you not a stand up comedian? Amateur, sure. Okay. You still are. Still, okay. Yes. Right? So, those things where. You were on a stage and told jokes to people. Told jokes at a comedy club. This is true. Where people have come to hear you. (laughs) Okay. You're right. See? I know. (laughs) I'm explaining it away. So those, like, I'm obviously doing things, but I'm like, how, I'm like, right, the worthiness thing. Like, how am yeah. I doing all these things? How am I doing all these things equally successfully? Yeah. If that's a thing. Um, like, you know, giving time to each and knowing what to do for each. And then, yeah, like, how do I move forward and drive these passions yeah. that I have forward? Like, it's crazy to me that I am... <laughs> Like, what? how? How am I doing these things? Like, it's weird to me that I don't, like, give myself enough credit or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? That's the beautiful part is, like, you get on stage and you tell jokes. I mean, like, in the categories (laughs) of, like, painful occupations. Yeah. That's, like... one of the top. Everyone, like, every comedian's, like, you have to love it because it's literally masochistic. Yeah. in front of people and I've shared with you like the thing I love about your comedy is that you get up there and as you're telling your jokes you're looking around with this look on your face of like this is hilarious right <laughs> you're with me right and you have that very like building crescendo of joke where it's getting bigger it's getting bigger it's getting bigger and to me one that's you that's like the Marie that I know and love so your brand of comedy is very you. I think you've studied that. You know, that's that's both intuitive, that's from your gut, but that's also, you've studied your craft. 
But also, you have the the balls to be like, hey, I'm going to go do some comedy on Friday night. You want to come watch me? <laughs> so scary. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, but can you. you, like, I feel like when you're doing stand-up comedian and you're standing up me comedian, you can't be an imposter. Like, if I'm trying to do some of these at my job, I'm completely being an imposter. <laughs> you know what I mean? What do you mean? Oh, gosh. Like, uh the other day uh, when I was interviewing, someone was like, can you do X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, well, I can do them, but I don't really know how to do them. <laughs> Whereas when you're, I feel like what it comes down to is if I'm doing my passion, which I'm not really sure I know what that is yet, but even like listening to the creator of Spanx, she's like, I didn't know how to make Spanx, but I had so much passion that I didn't care if someone told me I didn't know what I was doing because I knew I was doing something that... I wanted to do. Yeah. So I think that for me, like the, my only like revelation of how to get over imposter syndrome is when you stop caring what everyone else thinks. And the only time you stop caring what everyone else thinks is when you're doing something that you're completely passionate about. I feel yeah. that way about this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I feel like it would have been so easy for this to just be an idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I talked to you about the 18 and 2018 and I went back and got the piece of paper that I wrote on New Year's Eve and number 18 was Start the Garage Artois podcast. Yay. And it's so funny to think that, like, I get to check that off that list. That's great. That's crazy. Like, we did a thing. We did a thing. We're, and we're doing it. And we're still doing it. Damn. Who are we? <laughs> Who are we to do this? I also think one thing I'm really grateful for is um, I think parents have a lot to do with the crafting of the mental aspect of imposter syndrome. And almost to my parents, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, even when I wasn't good at something, they would overly tell me I was good from a young age. Yeah. Um, other things, you know, I have issues with. But even if I was, like, the chubbiest girl in karate, my parents <laughs> were there saying, you gave the best performance, you know? So it was, it's, like, little things like that where I was awful at karate, you know, in third grade. Encouragement. Encouragement, yeah. And I think... It goes for having a mentor, a boss who, you know, can see the weakness in what they're doing as well and, and uplift you as opposed to... Trying to shut you down. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that helps me with imposter syndrome. Having Somet a support system. And just when people are vulnerable, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just feel this sense of like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> But why do we think, not that this is a male or female thing, but we, we did read that females tend to have this more. Why is that, though? Like, I do know some people who have had my same title, and the confidence they have is, like, 10x what mine is. And I'm like, how? But unreasonably so. Right. Yeah. But how come we can't be like that sometimes? Because we have... Say it. <laughs> class I don't know because Ooh. because we we know what I don't that's I struggle with that too I, I see like, you trying to come up with something diplomatic which I respect but I struggle with that too which is some people are fucking idiots yeah. and they think they're great and they're not and they're yeah. gonna say that they are so nobody notices that they're not you're right what's that yeah. you know like the Big car. I drive a big car because I've got a small <laughs> weenie. You know, so. Inferiority complex. Right. Like that kind of thing. I mean, now we're I, putting complexes on complexes on complexes. Like, do you think Oprah has imposter syndrome? 
No. Right, so how do we all be like Oprah? Well, Oprah, come tell us how to be more like you. She's just showing up. You know, I'm writing this book right now incredibly slowly, but I went back and I finally read some of the pages I had written. And the the first book I'm writing is specifically for women who are entering the workplace. Mm. And the the title is not Don't Be a Dumbass, but the theme is (laughs) Don't Be a Dumbass. And one of the things I'd written was 90% of success is showing up and the other 10% is showing up. Yeah. And I was like, just fucking do it. Yeah. You know, and I always used to joke that done is better than good. Yeah. And then Facebook came out with this little, like, t- desk calendar and they said, um, done is better than perfect. Mm. And I'm like, ooh, that's good. That sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to always say that, like, done is better than good. It's, it's better for us to get our shit done at 80% than to just not get it done because we're being perfectionists. Yeah. And I feel that way in life. It would have been so easy to be like, oh, the audio was bad on episode four. Let's do it over. Yeah. And I was like, nope. It's getting done. Yep. We're just going to do it. Because in the long run, episode four of 100 isn't going to be a big deal other than we made a commitment to put these out weekly. Yep. We're building a story that we're telling over time. And I want to capture that moment in time. Hell to the yes. Let's fucking do it. We're doing it. Yep. Okay. Speaking of sleep, I had... So Harry's still gone. I had the girls sleep with me the other night just because we're snuggling in bed. The scariest thing when you just suddenly open your eyes and one of your children is sitting upright, completely upright in bed... Just kind of staring into the abyss, and you're just like, holy fucking shit, what is this kid doing? And then, like, mumble something, and then, like, falls back no. into bed. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> Which one? She's possessed? I, you kind of get that weird. Piper. She's very active, a very active sleeper, and she also, when she's, like, t- dreaming or talking in her sleep, it's very clear sentences. It's not, like, kind of, like, mumbling. It's like, hey, mom, how's it going? What's going on? It's It's... It's that is creepily spooky. spooky. That is spooky. Yeah. My brother was a real sleep talker, but he would just talk nonsense. Right. Nonsense is yeah. fine, but she's like clear, complete sentences, Although, and you're like, are you awake? Yeah. I, I, I was just going to say, you never get used to someone talking when they're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's never a moment where you're like, oh, nothing's wrong. This is normal. <laughs> she doesn't have night terrors, though. No night terrors. Harry, I guess, did when he was little, but we haven't. Nothing super, yeah. I read scary once that crazy. it's more common with boys. Actually, oh, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I can imagine her sitting up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I just opened my eyes and she's just like, oh, uh, little meerkat. That's scary. <laughs> that's <laughs> and then terrifying. Just like falls back down to the pillow, and I was like, okay, they're okay. there. I'm moving them back. We're <laughs> doing a transfer. I'm going back to your cage. <laughs> yeah, back to your own beds. None of this weird shit. (laughs) Explain the survey you sent us. Oh, man. So in the last podcast, I talked about how I love Gretchen Rubin. I'm a total stand for Gretchen. And she has this framework that she developed so it's her own intellectual property and she actually just came out with a book about it and she calls it the four tendencies and it's basically people sort of fall into four basic categories 
And the way that she defines it is uh, where you meet expectation. So if you are really good at meeting your own expectations and you don't need other people to hold you accountable, you're in this one category, which is called upholder. So this is, you know, Marie flossing her teeth every day because she decided to. Right. And then the second is uh, if you have no problem meeting outer expectations. So I'm going to tell you that I'm going to meet you somewhere at two o'clock. Not only am I there, I'm on time. Yeah, that's you. Yeah. Versus I fail to meet inner expectations. When was the last time I went to the gym? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And the... What's that one called, though? Obliger. Obliger. So that's called Obliger. So then the third is what she calls a questioner. And that's everything has to meet their inner expectations. Interesting. So you tell a questioner to do something... They're going to be like, well, why am I doing that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have to have some sort of standard that's met for themselves. Oh, maybe that is you. Before they're willing to do something. Oh, and side <laughs> note, we all took this quiz yeah. and we're going to guess who each one is. And I screenshotted mine so we can actually read the results. Do you oh, guys have good. yours too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I think okay. I did. Yeah. Um, I and so. then the, the fourth personality is they don't want to be basically don't want to be held accountable either by themselves or other people and that's the rebel and so it's this idea of they don't want to have to stick to a gym routine they'll go to the gym if they feel like it but they don't want to be told to um don't so, tell me what to do don't tell me what to do you know rebel for me i'm always like oh drew barrymore and i'm like yeah. i don't know so uh gretchen gets asked a lot about like who are famous celebrity uh, tendency examples. Oh, and, well, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday that she was on and she got asked this question and she said she gets asked it all the time. And she said a really good example of an upholder is Hermione Granger. Okay. Have you never read Harry Potter? No, no Harry Potter, no Star Wars, no Lord of the Rings. I know. Who hurt you, Courtney? I like Clueless, <laughs> Party of Five. <laughs> Intervention. Anything with Nev Campbell. Yeah. Wild Things. <laughs> I know. There has you, to be one. You pulled out wild things pretty quickly. I just watched it recently during my hiatus of life. Uh, <laughs> God, that's a hot movie. It's it's not a good movie. Yeah. But was entertaining. Good things, oh, good and for, for our listeners, I got, uh, Courtney <laughs> got a job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Guys, that should be like our marquee <laughs> film. I'm going to get, let's, we need to guess, I'm going to get my, my list. All right, so we are talking about the four tendencies. So upholders respond readily to outer and inner expectations. Questioners question all expectations. They'll meet an expectation if they think it makes sense. Essentially, they make all expectations into inner expectations. Obligers meet outer expectations but struggle to meet expectations they impose on themselves. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. So we all took the quiz on Gretchen Rubin's website. Mm-hmm. Courtney, did I not tell you what I was? No. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. You did, but I don't remember. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we were going to guess what each other's tendencies were, and then Marie told us that she's an obliger. I would have guessed. I would have guessed rebel, but I think I equate your confidence stand-up comedian to a persona not the actual 
rubric. Same. So once mm. you read these, it, it doesn't actually shock me that now you're an obliger. You're a mom. You put others first. <laughs> you're a mom. You had to do a summer yeah. you wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think I was thinking of Rebel in the sense that she has joie de vivre. That she's very lively. And Damn. again, when I say rebel, I'm like, Drew Barrymore with like, you know, daisies in her hair. <laughs> Neb, Neb Campbell killing and fucking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like Neb Campbell, Marie. I wish. <laughs> and one more time, an obliger meets others' ex- outer expectations, but has a hard time keeping their inner expectations. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Sometimes. You're very I mean, selfless. I see. Yeah. But I mean, you floss I'm a, your teeth every day. I do floss my teeth every day. You do? And I use my turn signal. You use your turn signal? God, you're such a good But person. that's a, sort of an obliger. I'm like letting people know. This is also fun to learn that Courtney has not listened to the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> you're not even sorry. Why are you not even sorry? Because I'm a... Oh! <laughs> what? If I had to guess, I was going to say questioner. Same. That's what I was, thought it would go to. Yeah, but you're a rebel. Mine was rebel. And it, wow. it said, um, you resist control, even self-control, and enjoy flouting rules and expectations. And at first I was kind of like, okay. And then this, I think, is really me. I resist habits, but I can embrace habit-like behaviors by tying my actions to my choices and my identity. So if my identity is being a good worker, I will do everything. Yeah. If my identity is being the fun one to part, you know, it's it's funny when they when they tied it to like my identity. Oh yeah. But it's true. Like I don't like don't tell me what to do. So you want to choose? Yeah. How make the choice? How does it affect you when your identity is affecting your behavior so significantly? Yeah. So for a while, the whole I do what I want. Uh, a lot of time friends were like, we feel like you choose the better option. And in reality, it's like, well, I don't want to commit to your birthday party because what if I don't want to go to your birthday party? <gasps> That's so rebel. I know. Wow. And it's not like I'm doing something fun. It's like maybe I don't want to talk to people and sit on the couch. Do you feel like that costs you in your relationships? 100%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've, got, I've gotten better. Um, But I think there's also like, what's the Myers-Briggs? I also just hate commitment. Because for me, it's like, when someone's like, in four months, do you want to do this thing with me? It's like, well, I don't know. Like, in four yeah. months, yeah. I might be, be something, doing something else. Or like, or, or like want to do nothing. Or Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm always surprised. I don't think of myself as a planner. Yeah. And then I'll find myself making plans. I mean, I have a vacation booked for July. Okay, I can yeah. understand that. But like, really? like, if you guys are like, let's do dinner, like, no big deal. Yeah. For me, it's more of... For the people I are my peripheral friends, it's very hard for me to be like, oh, I can't wait to do this. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Can I push you on that? Yeah. Are you better dealing people? What does that mean? Better dealing is you have plans and then better plans come along. And so you cancel on which one you think is less fun. So that's what I think. Oh my God, I have a Charlie horse and I drink so much water today. Maybe you have <laughs> a Charlie horse because you drank so much water. Maybe. Um... <laughs> So I think, to, I think to the outside people see that, but in reality, because I'm so fly off the seat of my pants, a lot of times I'll commit to something 
And then something else will come up that's not even cooler. It's just like uh, closer, closer, or, or less maintenance, or less something. maintenance. And I'll be like, "Damn, I forgot <clears throat> I said we could go. I do this." So it's more of like a, a convenience, convenience. But it's never like I never ever think I'm like doing something cooler. Do you relate to this? You're finishing her sandwiches oh, right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just understand that. Not. I don't think, uh, I just don't think I'm that much of a planner. Like, we try with the kids and stuff, but those, you know, things always, well, Piper's puking and we can't make it to dinner, you know. God damn it, Piper. Ah, Piper. Um, But, no, I don't think I would ever cancel because something better came up. It it was, yeah. I used to have trouble saying no, letting people down. And then, in turn, I would let people down. Gretchen is really cute because she integrates these into her podcasts. And she says that with the rebel, if you know that you're dealing with a rebel, Mm -hmm. you will say something like, if you're in the mood, I'd love to grab dinner tomorrow night. And what I'm doing is leaving it open all the way up until the point where we're eating bread with all of us. And so... I'm, like, smiling right now. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if you're in the mood, you can be in my wedding. If not... Totally cool. If you feel like it. And so she talks about how you can engage people around their tendency not to manipulate them, to to really empower them. I like that. Yeah. And so she says, like, if you like to, if you're in the mood, if, you know, if you're feeling like it, you can do this. Yes. Um, And then she also talks about consequence, which resonates a little less for me. But it's like, if you feel like doing this, that would be great. If not, we're going to have to move on without your responses or whatever it yeah. ends up being. Um, that I get a little less excited about. Now, yeah. I think, I would think questioner, but I also think after you gave us a little hint, and I haven't listened to episode number four yet, because I'm a rebel. Um, <laughs> Daddy. You you will make sure that you don't let anyone else down. But when it comes to yourself, you don't, but I don't think you feel bad if you don't get to the gym. <laughs> that's because you know me like I don't think you're hard on yourself if you're like well I made sure everyone else I upheld everything for yeah. everyone else well I edited the goddamn podcast yeah. <laughs> I know that is my gym um, yeah. but if you know on your list was painting a Monet you're not going to get mad that you didn't finish that I think it's because you're sitting looking at a blanket project that <laughs> yeah, I, I love it this <laughs> living room on a loom for two months it's amazing yeah, thank you. It's my Illuminati blanket. <laughs> we'll post a picture in the show notes. Um, yeah, I'm an obliger, 100%. And yeah. Have you 100%. always been that way? I have taken that quiz six or seven times, and Same. it's always obliger. Same. Now, do you ever get overwhelmed by this, or do you get satisfaction <clears throat> from being this person where people know? Like, in the group project, you want Anne on your group project. Thank but you for I, that. But I can also see how... Is it ever frustrating for you when you're like, I'm just going to get done, I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to do it the best? Yeah, no one else is showing up. And yeah. I just got to no, finish it. No, so I don't feel that way at all. In fact, I feel like with this project, you know, the hardest thing has been trying to figure out, like, how to give pieces of it to you guys where you feel meaningfully included, because I don't want to do it myself. And I think what's hard about the obliger tendency is it's actually very lonely to feel like you're doing things for other people and not for yourself. Mm, I never thought of it that way. And that can be a really scary thing. Like, you know, I would love to be someone who goes to the gym. I just am not. I'm just, I get, like, very 
like, I turn into, like, a feral animal when I have to think about going to the gym. Yep. Where I get very, like, well, I'm really stressed and I'm really busy. And, like, yeah, you know, like, I just turn into, like, an animal if someone tries to make me exercise. Yeah. Um, but now I think that obliger tendency is hard because it is really dependent on the needs and wants of other people. Yeah. And that's a very scary thing to submit to. And I think I've really had to learn the hard way in relationships. Yeah. That good fences make good neighbors. Yeah. And that if I'm just giving people what they want and what they want and what they want and I'm not taking care of my own needs. 100%. I get to this point where I'm like, fuck you, fucking dick. And then I'm like, well, I'm the one who pushed myself out on this branch. Yeah. Because I never said, you know, I never said uncle. And it's it's so funny because, like... That resonated with me, but there's so many ways to say this, but I think she, um, the way she categorizes it is interesting because it's like, you know, the book Woman Who Loved Too Much, it's like, well, I don't think this is you loving too much, this is you literally not wanting to let people down. I don't want to let people down. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I, I and then it's well. also weird because I was like, I'm very disciplined in certain things. Yeah. But I also hate being, like, if someone said wow, you show up to work every day and you try hard. I'm like, that's not, that's not discipline. That's me having like almost like an ego of this is my persona. Like I want to work hard. I do think that these are general buckets. Yeah. Because they also talk about something they call obliger rebellion. Ooh. And the crossovers. Yeah. Right. The little. Yeah, exactly. And so this is where you get to that point where you're like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And I will tell you, I experienced obliger rebellion quite a bit. Quite a bit. And so I would say I'm like 80% obliger. Another 20% is like, no, hard pass will not do. Do. Mm. So I think I have like a very sort of black and white behavior pattern there. But I also think like it's a fun framework, but she's not a psychologist. (laughs) Right, right, right. I think we all can learn from being more of a questioner. Because I think a questioner just simply puts it back on someone why and maybe that puts it up to them to say oh you're right why would you do this or oh just and i think a lot i think all behind it all three of us i think are so apt to either not do it do it or do it begrudgingly yeah or do it happily where i'm gonna try that next time someone does something and i'm like i'll just be like kind of throw it back at them why so I actually love the idea of asking questions because I think it shows curiosity. Yeah. So the idea that you would be like, oh, why Why do you want to do it that way? I actually think is you being like, I care enough about this that I want to know why I'm doing it. Yeah. I think that's rad. Yeah. Gretchen, we love you. It's like, yeah. oh, why am I doing this? Instead of, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Why does that, so, yeah, I still don't understand why deja vu happens, but I also don't understand how, like, I lose my thoughts all the time now. Is it old age? You're losing mm-hmm. your mind. Okay, cool. Yep. It's the so cell they, phones. They say so that deja vu happens when one eye processes something, like, a microsecond faster than the other. Really? Oh. I don't believe that. I don't no. accept that answer. I I've, I've, yeah. That I've been there before. Yes, legitimately <laughs> had the same exact experience. I actually believe that. Yes. Okay. No, I, why? I also, I don't know if you guys know this about me. <laughs> Did you know that I am clairvoyant? Really? Yes. I think I have psychic capabilities too. Really? Not clairvoyant. It's more of um, 
intu- intuition to okay. a point of I'll vibe someone and I'll feel them and oh. then I can like foresee what kind of person they're going to be. Whoa. Yeah. Like into the future. Yeah. Whoa. But not, I can't like predict things, but like, like even when I was little, my, I would meet people and I'm like, mom, I don't like that person. She's like, why? I'm like, just trust me. I don't like them. And like a year later it would come out. They did something like awful or they were a bad business person. Whoa. And it's to the point now where my mom is like, how do you do that? I'm like, I, there's just a sense I get. So I that's not, that's not clear what let's, I don't know what that's called. Intuitive. Yeah. Intuitive. Yeah. Very intuitive. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have psychic capabilities, Marie? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> sometimes I'll think of something or hear something and then another instance of that will come up and I'll be like, wait, I was just thinking about that or doing like, like you're manifesting it. <clears throat> I guess. Ooh. You guys, I think that we're three very powerful witches. Yeah. Wow, hello. I also look at the clock a lot, and it's 9-11, and I don't know what that means. Yes, nine one one. Like, a I lot of the time. Yes. No, because I used to wake up. Yes. I'm like, no. what is happening? I have two really important things I need to say. One, I thought we were more similar than different. Now that we've gotten into this and taken tests, I think we're all three different personas. Ooh, like, very yes. different. And I can't wait to do taking your test. Tests. Two, I used to wake up all the time at 444 before Jay-Z's album came out, looked it up, and um, the best passage I read was, yes, you might be more cognizant now that you're waking up at 444, but also you probably check the time on your phone at least 100 times a day, so you're just more (laughs) apt to be like, ooh, it's 444 again. But I do think think there's something weird where you see it. 911, what? Yeah. (laughs) Help. Morning and night? That's so weird. That is weird. <laughs> I think it's weirder that you were like, yes. <laughs> and I'll see it on license plates, too. 911? 444. <laughs> yeah. And that's it for this week's episode of Garage Toi. Thank you so much for joining Anne-Marie Courtney. The power, the power of three. three. <laughs> Woo! <laughs>